Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am sitting in studio today with this beautiful woman who we just had the greatest conversation. I wish I could have recorded it because it was so fantastic, and I cannot wait to dive into what we're going to share and talk about today. Jody Mockaby, the author of The Whole and Healthy Family, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I've been reading her book, and I love how she addresses things holistically. It's not just about, you know, what you have your children put into their body or technology or about developing family rhythms. It's it's the whole thing and about caring for your children's emotions, their um, caring for them emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. And I really think that she just brings so much wisdom to this conversation. And also she's had young kids and now she has older kids. So it's that great perspective of parenting through a wide range of ages. So Jody, I'd love for you to just take a minute to introduce yourself to my audience. Hi, Crystal. Thanks so much for having me. I have five children and they range it from ages 16 down to 10. We had twins at the end there. So a little double blessing. And yeah, we, um, I wrote the book just from a place of, um, retrospect really, Mm. and just wanting to look back and see what had worked. There was a lot of fruit in our family that we were noticing that a lot of people were noticing that would come to us with many questions. And so really the book is just to kind of highlight what has worked, but I also include a lot of what hasn't (laughs) as well. And so you had a lot of children in a short amount of time. (laughs) That's true. We had five under six. They came fast and furious. And so we really just, sometimes it felt like we had five babies at once. Mm. A lot of them had similar needs at the same time. And then a lot of them had different needs, but similar age range. And so, yeah, it was busy. It was loud. And I think some of the practices in the book kind of capture the way that we learned how to kind of thrive rather mm. than just constantly being in this survival mode. Cause mm. it can really feel like survival when you have a bunch of little ones like that. And did this come naturally to you to think in terms of, you know, just you talk about wanting to simplify and you wanting to set up systems, wanting to ha- develop this kind of family rhythm and culture. Was that something that you experienced growing up? I think I came from a very simple, grounded um, family. So I'm sure the foundation of that definitely um, came into our own family culture, just having stability. My mom always kept the house very clean and simple. So I'm sure that definitely was passed down. But also just, you know, my husband is the other part. And together we would have a lot of conversations prior to even having children of what we wanted our family to look like some of the things that we wanted to do together, um, just kind of discussing family culture before we even knew that was a term. Mm -hmm. And so it did start before we had children, but really I would say most of the practices and habits that we 
enforced or practiced in our family in those early years came out of just problem solving. Mm. And I think ultimately that's what the entire book is about is just problem solving. And I didn't realize how many problems there would be all the time (laughs) (laughs) going from just why won't my baby sleep through the night to why is my child acting like this to why does this child not feel loved when we've spent all the time that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. So trying to kind of figure out the solutions to each of those problems and just using research and books and um, mentors and the word of God and just trying to problem solve through all of these little things that come up just naturally as being a parent. Mm -hmm. One thing I love is that you give a lot of resources in the book so people can further study, further read um, on this if it was a topic that they really loved. And also a lot of practicality where you have recipes and things like that. So it's very hands-on. It's not just just a book that you read that's a nonfiction book. It, it breaks it down in practical ways. I love where you talk about the snacks that you you know would allow your kids to have. And, and I loved how you kind of gave them ownership for that. And I see how you've done that a lot. You want to talk a little bit about that piece of how do we help our kids develop ownership and responsibility? How as moms do we let go? Because I think that is a hard thing to do. Yeah, I think originally because we did have the five so fast and furious, it came from a place of wanting them to be independent. If I can get them independently doing as much as possible, then that's less work on my Mm -hmm. end. So it came from a place of really like a household management perspective, but then it grew. um, I'm a homeschooling mom. I I love learning about homeschooling and I learned about um, this concept of unschooling. And unschooling, the heart of it is where the child owns their education. Mm. And I loved the idea and even the science behind it and just using my own experience with education and realizing that anytime that I remember anything from my school experience, it's because I was interested in it. Mm. And so there's this whole connection of interest and ownership that if a child is actually interested in a specific subject, they'll go and research further they will remember it. It it gets put in your brain in a specific place that stores it for later information. And so knowing that it kind of translated from a child becoming independent to ownership, like you said, and if they can own that experience, if they can own their emotions, if they can own their um, chores and their responsibilities and how they contribute to the home, then that's their own experience to learn. And I've even found that in scripture too. And that's, what's really neat about it is it's very holistic in nature, kind of like what I'm trying to share in the book. Mm. And so how did you start developing that? Cause I think a lot of parents, they want to give their kids more responsibility. They want to help their kids learn to have a self-sufficiency and independence that is a healthy thing. But it can be hard, especially if you have multiple little ones, you just feel like you're kind of spinning your wheels and you're just picking up after people all day long and you want to have help from them, but you're like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I think you first have to recognize that it's going to be double the effort. So you're going to have twice as much work put in originally to it, knowing that you're teaching this child how to make their bed, teaching this child how to wipe the table down teaching this child how to fold their clothes. It's double the effort in teaching them, but it's for such a short duration that then 
they are doing it on their own. And so the hardest part I think as moms is for us to kind of overcome that double effort part. It's always easier for us to do it on our own. And so we give up, you know, we, instead of the child wiping down the table because they leave half of the crumbs on the table, I'll just do it myself and I won't follow up and say, actually, you didn't do it correctly, or this is how you do it. So it's double the effort, but then you end up reaping the benefits of it shortly thereafter. So if you can just kind of stick through the process of teaching them, also children love to mimic. And Mm -hmm. so if it starts young, if it's a habit of yours to have your child helping you cook, follow you in the kitchen, we would always get smaller items. So we had a small broom, a small mop. We had a small little dustpan that they would dust things into the little pan with. And so having them walk alongside of you and mimic you, it's just going to be kind of a natural progression into them doing it on their own, but it doesn't come without a lot of effort. (laughs) One thing that I loved you talked about in the book was about simplifying and you not only talked about, you know, just systems, but the actual environment of your home. Like you talked about colors and things. I would love for you to share more about that. Absolutely. My oldest boy is 16. He's on the spectrum. We learned that a few years ago, although we've kind of already, we always knew basically. Um, but he is very sensitive to sensory, um, any kind of noise, sound, color, visual, physical touch, texture, any of that really, um, affects him more so than a neurotypical person. And so learning about his needs and how to really, um, create an environment that he could thrive in. I started learning about natural materials, natural colors, um, natural materials tend to absorb sound and synthetic materials make like a ricochet effect. So the sound continues to travel. And so for someone with, um, any sensory challenges, they're going to hear that sound way after we are. And so understanding that about him, it was kind of the, the home environment simplifying came from a place of trying to create a safe and comfortable place for him to thrive in. But what I didn't understand or realize at the time was that it would actually help me. Mm. (laughs) And so as we started making these decisions to remove the battery toys, and then after it was the battery toys, it was the colorful toys. And after the colorful toys, it was, you know, that red shirt that that one specific child is wearing, like creates this visual traffic and noise in my head. If it creates that in my head, it's probably creating that for him tenfold. So just understanding how all of that works and creates visual noise and um, traffic in your brain. I just started trying to control the small things that I could in order to give him more breathing space and margin, but it ended up affecting all of us. Mm. So all of my children are, you know, aware of sound and touch and colors and all of that and how it affects their senses as a result. And I remember one section of the book where you talked about how you simplified dishes. You just, every well, you can share it better than me, but it just made me think, hmm, I want to just go get in our cupboards and just get rid of a lot of things. Um, tell us more about that. Sure. So again, we had five very close together. And I remember, I think efficiency is probably more of the word that I would use for this situation, but I was always kind of looking through the lens of efficiency of how can I do less dishes? How can I do less laundry? How can I 
do less of the things that are not important and more of the things that are important. Um, it felt like housework alone took so much of my time that there was less time for connection with my kids. And even all that stuff is still, we still have to do it. It's inevitable. But I just remember managing it all well, but not connecting with my children necessarily through that. So it was kind of how do we eliminate the extra in this? And so we started just, we were in a small home too. We, there were seven of us in a 1200 square foot home. So we really had to control the amount of stuff that was inside just so that it wouldn't, you know, take up our living space. So with the kitchen, we started realizing we had these wooden bowls and um, we would use them for breakfast and then wash them out. And then we'd use them for lunch. And then I started realizing, why do we have extra dishes if these are the only bowls that we use? They're a quick rinse off. They were nice and oiled. So all the food just kind of slid right off of them. It, it was easy for the kids to wash on their own. And so we got rid of the dishes <laughs> and we just stuck with the bowls. And we had those for breakfast, snack, lunch, and dinner. And they worked. It was just the most simple process. There was not a lot of dishes in the sink ever. And so that eliminated something for me to do that would distract me from connecting with my kids or doing some other you know, form of housework. And I also, I love creating a place of peace for my husband to come home to. So for him to come home and have a kitchen in order, and um, that's peaceful and relaxing for him. So all of it kind of was interconnected with if we could simplify these chores, these household responsibilities, and it, make it more efficient, then we're really creating a more peaceful atmosphere. And so you were talking about efficiency and saying how that was really your goal in this. I think sometimes, at least for me, when you have young children, it can be hard because it feels like nothing is efficient and you are just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so how do you deal with that mindset of, you know, you want things to be efficient. So like you said, that it can, you know, ultimately allow you to have more time to do what matters. But when a child is making a mess or needing you yet again, or there's someone to take potty, someone needs their diaper change, someone, you know, and it's just, it feels like it's not efficient at all. How do you have a mindset of peace in the midst of that? I think acceptance is the first key. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like you said, we're never, I mean, when you have little ones, it is a physical job. You're, mm -hmm. you're not going to get efficient with that. Their needs are changing from moment to moment. They may be throwing up one moment. Mm -hmm. They may have a dirty diaper the next moment. You know, you can't forecast what's going to happen with little ones, their needs. They may need a hug one minute. They may need discipline the next. But if, so that part I can't answer on other than just try to meet the needs mm -hmm. of your child. But the surrounding things that we can control, like laundry and dishes and different things like that, if we can create a system, if we can minimize um, what comes into our home. I think I even mentioned like shampoo and conditioner. This is so silly, but it causes, if you open up your cabinet and you have half used things and extra things in the cabinet, and it just is full of stuff and you're trying to find something specific, say, um, I don't know, a salve or something like that for a child. And you can't find it because you have all this excess. And are you really going to use the half used bottled. It's, there's a reason it's half used and it's been pushed in a cabinet. You know, those are the things that I can control. I can get rid of that visual traffic. I can get rid of 
you know, the space that it takes up can be empty and clear so that I can find the salve when I need it, when my child needs something on their leg. So I don't think this episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. The efficiency aspect ever really affected my parenting as much as it affected the extra management in the household so that then I could be a better parent. Because if you have chaos in these other things, if you feel like you're never caught up, if you feel like your dishes are always full, if you feel like you're frazzled, it's really difficult to be a present and peaceful parent. Mm -hmm. But if those things have been taken care of, then you can be present and you can be peaceful. At least that was my personal experience. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit because I can hear people listening to this and thinking, well, I can't hear them thinking, but I can picture them thinking in their head, okay, but you don't know my husband or you don't know my child. And and I know I've really had to struggle through this, finding the balance of I am a minimalist at heart, but I have one child in particular that loves to keep their stuff. And so do all your kids, are they all minimalist? Is your husband a minimalist or? Absolutely not. <laughs> so how do you reconcile so that? that? It's a fantastic question. And I'm glad you asked it because it does kind of give a different perspective. But my husband, I wouldn't say is like by any means a pack rat. I would say he's probably normal, you know? <laughs> so he wants to keep his yearbook from high school, which I just find no reason to keep your yearbook from high school. But so there are certain needs that kind of need to be met with certain children that may want to hold on to a little bit more or your spouse. But there's also things that can be thrown away that have just, it, it doesn't mean anything for their mental health or well-being or anything like that. So trying to balance that in the early years, we had a very small house. So it was easy to just say, there's no space for it. But since then we've been, you know, through different homes that have expanded in size. And right now we're in a large home where there is space for things. And we've been able to give a little more freedom 
for our kids to collect things that they would be more prone to collect or to hold on to things. My daughter is a huge creative crafter and she sees trash as treasure and always tries to grab things like that. But we've given her a space to organize her trash. (laughs) So she has special drawers with little baskets that she can organize her trash in. And I've allowed her to decorate her room how she wants it. When they were younger, that wasn't necessarily the case just because we were all in each other's business at all times in a very small home. So I think being adaptable to your living environment, um, to the needs of your kids, usually when they're three or four, they don't really know yet who they are or how much they love trash or anything like that. So you can kind of control the home environment when they're younger. But as they get older, you definitely want to see what they're gifted in. We never had Legos when they were little, um, but I have engineered minded twins. And so as they got older, you know, Lego sets for every birthday and it has compiled and I'm okay with that, you know, where before we never even had plastic in the house. Mm -hmm. So it's just being flexible with the developmental needs and still trying to maintain that sense of efficiency and peace while also adapting to some of the changes that naturally happen as your children get older Mm -hmm. and kind of being sensitive to your husband too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this leads into something that I want to talk about because in your book, you, you talk about, you know, eating healthfully and you talk about um, sports and activities, outside activities for your kids and how you've simplified with that and how, you know, choices that you've made with healthy eating. But you also bring up how you've had to work through kind of being a purist about those things. Um, I'd love for you to just address that and share your journey in that. Yeah, I think I naturally gravitate towards being an extremist in Mm -hmm. anything. Um, I go down a rabbit hole and want as much information as I can get on it. And if I'm sold on it, then I'm just like die hard on it. But then the Lord always brings me to a place of, you know, humbling. (laughs) And so it, it has always, he's been so good to bring me back to just balance and moderation And so with food, um, you know, originally we started eating really carefully because we were trying to heal my son and his gut. Um, But then it started becoming obsessive of just being as clean as possible. And even to a point where I got judgmental over, Mm -hmm. you know, people eating differently. And that was a huge warning flag um, for me. And I'm just grateful that God kind of just placed that in my heart, that conviction of, you know, the food thing was becoming an idol for me. And so we started just adopting moderation as a mentality. And and that really helped with um, my perception of other people and how they ate and everything. And so that's kind of been the case, I would say, with almost every subject in that book is um, I go down that road and the whole family goes with me and it creates a lot of fruit and goodness, but then there's a realization of like, we have to be flexible. We have to be open. Things change. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of been our life. And my husband and I laugh about it a lot right now. We're about to move into a neighborhood and we've always lived on property because we've wanted our kids out in the wild and just playing freely. But now we have teenagers and they have friends and we want them all over So change happens and we want to be flexible to kind of adapt to the needs of each child. Mm. And, you know, every season is different. And I think to give moms that freedom of it's okay 
to change. It's okay as your kids get older, it's going to look different. And and so I really appreciated you bringing that out in the book because I do think that there is, you know, we as moms, we desire to do the best for our kids, but the best is going to look different at different times and, and that's okay. Um, so you are in a very different season now. You had these five young, young children and now you have you said they are 16 down to 10. So mm-hmm. very different than six to zero. Um, how has that changed for you, like your perspective of parenting and what advice would you have for moms who want to raise a whole and healthy family as you look back kind of on this last decade of parenting? I think, you know, One of my pet peeves is when you talk to older seasoned parents and they say, I don't know why I stressed so much about this or that, or I don't know why I was such a staunch like disciplinarian or whatever. And I don't want to talk about the extremity on this. I'm just talking about parents that, you know, did a really good job and they have wonderful kids or whatever. And they, they say, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. And I always get a little annoyed over that because I just think, well, your kids might not be who they are today. If you didn't sweat some of the small stuff, to be honest, like in retrospect, we cannot determine a different output. There is no possible way. We, we can't determine a different output if we would have done this differently. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is where I just feel like discernment comes into play. Um, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you just pray for his guidance Mm -hmm. on whatever you possibly can. Um, Don't always rely on the research or the books or anything like that. It's really just um, having a relationship with the Lord and and discerning that. But being in this different season, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I have a book out about um, processes and procedures and all these things in systems in our household that we have. And that would even go down to discipline, which I don't cover in the book. And that's intentionally because our discipline model has even changed. It went from, you know, rules and procedures and certain things are definitely no's in the household to very relationally, relationally based and um, accountability. That's our kind of role right now as parents is discipling our children and holding them accountable and having discussions. We don't have a lot of um, consequences or rules but um, all the systems I feel like that were in place as they were younger give them an understanding of what it's like to be a human being, what it's like to have self-control so that they, they can start practicing freely in the family and work through that um, when they need accountability and when they have complete freedom. And so it looks a lot different now. I mean, maybe there will be a part two in 10 years, but I can't even, I mean, right now I'm just talking to all the teenage parents, like, give me all your wisdom, you know, but all, all that I can say is that in the beginning years, our family thrived with that, that system, Mm -hmm. but the system has since loosened and changed, but I feel like the foundation really allowed us to be able to do that. So kind of those boundaries and parameters and systems that you put into place, they set that great foundation for then you now being in a place where you just are building relationship, like you're building the relationship building blocks on that foundation of those parameters. I I love that. And, and I think it's important that we don't get so hung up on, you know, 
this rules-based parenting versus relationship-based parenting, because I think that there is this kind of healthy melding of of both and having the, it's almost like the rails that you build this on. But you talked about accountability with your teens and your older kids. Well, they're all older now than they were. Um, what does that look like practically? Like having this relationship where you are having accountability with them? It looks like a lot of conversation. I never knew how much conversation would happen <laughs> with teens. <laughs> it is a lot of talking and, you know, you're tired by 9 p.m. or something like that, but that's right when they want to start talking. And so you end up saying, man, I'm going to need to stay up late just because this is a good conversation. But the accountability, it it works with moral training, character training. We read a lot of books about um, really amazing people so that they can kind of learn by example from all different people from different types of walks in life. And um, but it is when you see these little character flaws or or these little mistakes that they make or something like that, rather than just, you know, disciplining them, it's a conversation. And um, sometimes that conversation can keep going and go. I mean, we're dealing with one specific issue, which I'm not going to go into detail about, but it's been a six month issue so far and it has not resolved itself mm but it's a lot of conversation. And thankfully our child is open to talking about it and the, the um, struggles with it and everything. And so we are able to walk through that um, with grace, but also just parental guidance. And we've, we've set certain um, standards in place so that that person's protected and, and able to kind of work through those things. So that's kind of what accountability it, it's consistency, consistently being there and available and having just that open, it it makes me so grateful that um, that child's willing to talk about the struggle versus hiding or um, lying or something like that. So accountability would really just, to me, be the constant conversation of working through an issue like that. Mm. And so are you initiating those conversations? Is your child initiating? You know, for someone who's saying, I want to have more conversations with my my child or my teenager, I just, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, we, I would say we definitely initiated them. And this is kind of going back to the foundational aspect of, you know, you put these systems in place when they're young, you're still the parent. You're, st- you can still see, you know, where a certain issue may go in the future if it's intended to. So, um, we definitely start the conversations. We're definitely bringing them up. I even remember as a teenager, um, a, a specific issue that I had that my parents just constantly, I'd get home from school. How did you do on this today? And, you know, every day it was this like question of accountability. And we do the same thing really is just kind of bringing it up constantly. And the child is still willing to share whether, you know, it was a good day or a bad day or something like that. Um, that's good. That it doesn't mean that there's success right around the corner. You know, it could just be a lifetime struggle who knows, but the fact that we're there and, Mm -hmm. um, holding that child accountable when that child's under our roof, that is important to us. So as you look back on your parenting journey and you think of the young moms who are listening right now, who are in the thick of where you were. 10 years ago, what would you say to encourage them? 
your work is good work. There's, you are in it. Um, I call it the trenches where it just feels physical and emotional and everything's draining, but um, nothing goes to waste. And so I would just, um, you know, look at your children and know there, it, it seems everyone says this, that it goes by so quickly. And I think everyone's kind of aware that it does when you fold the clothes that they just grew out of or whatever, but nothing goes to waste and, um, just bless you. Your work is good work and it's hard. Mm -hmm. I, so I just, I know how hard it is. I mean, it was hard, hard work. It still is hard work. So just bless you and your journey because I don't think there's much that can make it easier. <laughs> it's just, you're in it. So, <laughs> but in your book, I think you give a lot of encouragement and wisdom. And the thing that I love is that it's in sort of in snippets where you can kind of pick up the book and you can read a little bit and you don't have to read a whole chapter. You can just read a little small portion and get a lot from it. And so I like how you've set it up in such a practical way for a mom who is really busy and she doesn't have a lot of time to read. And like I said, you also give a lot of resources and a lot of um, practical application, like this is how it looked for our family and walking that out. And so I would just encourage anyone who is listening, who would love some ideas, inspiration, practical, hands-on help for helping your kids thrive, not just in body, not just in mind, not just in spirit, but holistically helping your kids thrive in mind, body, and spirit. Grab a copy of Jody Mockaby's book, The Whole and Healthy Family. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 